In this episode, my good friend Barry Dyke and I discuss his three books, the fourth book that's coming, and then we have a casual conversation about money, banks, and finance. Welcome to the Banking with Life podcast. My name is James Nethery. I'm your host. And with us today is my dear friend, Barry Dyke. I'm excited to speak with him. Um, tremendous individual and, a, and an incredible author. He's written several books. We're going to talk about them today and whatever else we decide to talk about. It's pretty unstructured. Absolutely no scripts allowed. So, hello, Barry Dyke. Thank you for being here. Hello, hello James. How's everything in Texas, sir? It's uh, dry. It's dry. <laughs> <laughs> Well, at least up here, you know, the Fort Worth area, it's dry. There could be. Not, it's not down in Houston, though. It's pretty wet down there, isn't it? <laughs> they, could, they, I'm sure, would be happy to share some of that moisture with us, and we'd be happy to uh, receive some of it. But we're we're dry up here. Yeah. What what part of the world are you living in, Barry? I live up in New Hampshire. I live in the beautiful part up in the Hampton, New Hampshire, up in the beautiful seacoast. Uh, there's like an 18-mile stretch of land between Maine and Massachusetts, right on the seacoast. It's a very beautiful area and anyone who's listening to it i highly recommend visiting it it's uh it's very very beautiful and it's it, it, the fall colors are coming and it, it, it's starting to be look really pretty it doesn't look too pretty in the winter but uh, uh it's great to be up here but getting to the winter looks good huh all right yeah <laughs> well barry you know uh i try i encourage not try i encourage regularly consistently often um, people, I encourage them to read your books. You know, you and I first met, I don't know how many years ago at the Nelson Nash, you know, the think tank. Yeah, Nelson, yeah down, down in Birmingham, Beham, yeah. Right. And, uh, yeah, about 15 years ago, James, if you can believe it. Well, well I'm not that old, so it's hard for me to believe. <laughs> but, you know, the first book you wrote, The Pirates of Manhattan, the uh, systematic plundering of the American consumer and how to protect against it. That, <clears throat> excuse me, I mean, that's that's an incredible book. And I kind of perused it. You know, I read it many years ago. Actually, that I believe that was printed around 2008 or so, wasn't it? Seven, yeah. yeah it actually first came out in yeah, Birmingham in 2007, yeah. Yeah, 2007. So I read it, I've, and I've read it several times but it's been several years and so i kind of perused it this morning and uh this is it's extremely powerful i mean you're an incredible researcher i think there's nine or ten pages of footnotes in that book and that was and your story is kind of in the front of that book and and uh that was a real labor of love for you wasn't it that first book yeah, the first book took me about 10 years to research, and what I realized is that, uh, you, know, I, you know, we all go through our trials and tribulations, every, each one the last one of us, and I went through a, a very tough divorce, and I had a very successful business loss at all, but in any event, I had, re, I had uh, realized a lot of the financial products which are sold to the American consumer just don't work, and they, they cannot work, and they never will work. And I did understand that life insurance and annuities and things of that nature were very, very on great financial footing. And, um, and, um, and so I decided to write about it because I realized a lot of the stuff just doesn't work, James. And, um, and uh, cause as you know, today, most of the money's in mutual funds and things that, um, and EFTs and things of that nature. 
And that is very, very highly speculative and, and they're really just gambling with other people's money. So, uh, but in any event, I wrote the, the first book because I realized that, you know, in life insurance and annuities, one of the only things that does work. And um, then what I stumbled into, I think it was God's grace. Um, I stumbled into it. Then I realized it was actually the banks that, and large financial institutions were actually the biggest purchases of these things. Uh, but no one knew, and the, no one really knew about it. So, so I, it was a secret. So I just want to bring this secret out into the sunlight. Right. And when you say they're the biggest purchaser of these things, you really dive into, you're talking about the, the banks and the investment firms. They, they purchase massive amounts of life insurance and annuities, whether it's Boley, bank-owned life insurance, or Coley, corporate-owned life insurance. And you really dive into that and, and, and show the numbers. How much life insurance does some of these banks own in that book? Billions upon billions. So, so like, uh, uh, I think in my um, one of my latest uh, pieces, you know, you, so you have banks like J.P. Morgan or or Citigroup or Wells Fra- uh, Fargo. I, I almost said Wells Fraud, but uh, a little slip there. But um, and all these major banks, um, U.S. Bank, um, and and most of the 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 money, uh, the wealth management banks, such as uh, um, uh, New York uh, Mellon and. Uh, First Republic, these these high end silicon investment banks, um, they're all in massive amounts of uh, permanent high cash value life insurance, and it's all true. And um, as and it, even to this day, but even to this day, James, uh, thank God for the internet. Um, um, people just don't realize that this is what they own for the for part of where they put their their savings, and it, it's all true. And um, uh, yeah, so it's just so, and I, and I, as a um, our old friend, good and mentor for both of us, Mel, Nelson Nash, we're just trying to push back the frontiers of ignorance, you know. That's right, and the uh, positive side of that is we're trying to expand the frontiers of knowledge, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, the, some things never change, though. You know, we you can go as far back in history as you care to to look and you know the the construct that we live in and that we're all you know we're born into the uh the banks the investment advisors all the financial gurus they tell you to do one thing but yet they're doing another and yeah and 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 this is this is this is the amazing thing about it um and as you know james none of these uh uh banks like uh, like uh morgan stanley or or Citigroup, or uh, Bank of America, or Wells Fargo, or uh, even J.P. Morgan. None of these banks would really exist um, without the taxpayer bailing them out in 2008. Uh, the the truth is is that um, uh, you know uh, the the Federal Reserve bailed out the banks in 2008. They didn't do anything for the consumer. Um, but but this is you know when they say and then they paid all the money back with interest and the whole thing, but. They essentially were getting trillions and, and essentially zero cost loans, um, and um, by gambling. But the irony of the whole thing is with the with the life insurance um, in their tier one capital, which is the most important thing in a bank, um, they weren't ga- gambling with their own reserves. So even like at Wells Fargo, and I think in my last book of uh, I don't have a copy of that right in front of me, but my last copy of uh, I think. Um, Guaranteed income, the one I did. People can find out more about me by going to barryjamesdyke.com. Again, that's barryjamesdyke.com. Uh, but 
banks, I like Wells Fargo, they have more money invested in life insurance than they have in their own pension plan. Um, right. But again, it's still, when you tell these consumers, even some very well-educated people, uh, they they don't believe it. What would have been your take on that, James? Yeah, absolutely true. You know, they uh, they don't believe it. Most, I don't want to say most, It's I find it quite often that it's very difficult for people um, about 40 years of age and above to even be able to get past the word life insurance, right? Um, and then if you talk about annuities with guaranteed income, that's the third book that you've written. Yeah. And we're going to also talk about the second book that you've written. And then we're even going to talk about the fourth book that you're writing. But in guaranteed income, you get into pensions. And in, 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 uh, that book, I believe, was published in 20. 20- 15 yeah the pensions have been blown up across the country and they're still underwater um but you get into the 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 pension the dying pension system in that guaranteed income and what somebody at the you and me level can do about it right yeah so that's the whole thing and this is the amazing thing about it um pensions which are guaranteed income stream for life uh guaranteed by some larger entity a government or a large corporation or insurance company. Um, I've essentially been part of um, the financial system since Ro- Roman times. I mean, right. the, the first annuities, the, the word annua, uh, annuity comes from the, from the Latin word annua, which would mean to pay annual. And the first annuities were really issued to Roman soldiers for their service and, uh, and when they're in the wars. And uh, as part of their retirement, they get a guaranteed income stream for life called an annua or an annuity. So this is, we're not talking about something which is, New and wild and crazy, um, uh, and and they get bigger in this country uh, with the uh, Presbyterian ministers in Philadelphia around in, in the nineteen eighteen fifties or something like that. And then they took off with other companies. But the thing is, is that when you when you look at a the annuities um, or or a pension, a pension is just annuity. It is they're one and the same. Social Security is annuity. Social Security is a pension. Um, but the um, so in any event, so but the, the problem has been has been a major decline on that because I don't know about you, James, but most people when they majority uh, people I've dealt with when they when they're in uh, their retirement years they want an income stream and they don't have to worry about watching the market go up and down and all this stuff they just don't want that so uh, so this is what people really want and as a matter of fact I have the research to back up from people like uh, TIA Kraft which is, you know, the major uh, um, uh, asset manager insurance company uh, started in the night around 1910. And then the Cerulli Associates, which is in Boston, which is probably the best researcher, found that 76% of the people, this is what they really want. So Kreft found out this is what people really want. Right. And Cerulli found out this is what people really want. But the, the, the sad fact of the matter is, is that there's very little annuities um, uh, in retirement plans because of the Pension Protection Act of 2006, which essentially kicked out all safe uh, investments into the plan, in, into retirement plans. So what we really had is a, is a rise of the asset management industrial complex, which I like to call it. And um, and, and unfortunately, the insurance companies have, have now kind of played a second fiddle uh, to the asset managers. But the, um, but the irony of the whole thing um, is even asset managers, um, uh, like for instance, the Bank, Bank of America, uh, James, this is all true, and this is why I'm working on the the, the fourth book. Eventually, I'll get around to doing this. Um, the Bank of America, for the European branch, the Merrill Lynch, 
uh, just bought this past year a half a billion dollar annuity for the to essentially to um, to run their own pension plan. This is all fact. This is all true. Um, but you're never going to hear this in either the Journal or the Times or anything. Now, the irony of the whole thing, James, is the hypocrisy too. Is that the New York Times itself uh, bought a major annuity for like 250 million dollars and uh, like 2017, uh, CBS bought one, I think last year, 2018 for like, uh, maybe like 800 million, uh, McClatchy, which is a major news, uh, paper organization. And they bought one as well. EW scripts bought one as well. So what you have is it's incredible freaking hypocrisy. So, and which they, the, so the newspapers and the, these media companies like CBS, um, or uh, they're not, they're, you know, because they're supported by people like Fidelity, they're not going to tell what, what they're actually doing for themselves. So it's, it's ultimate hypocrisy, but yeah, that's the it, way, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's an old story. Yeah. Well, it's new too. And, and you know, as sometimes people have a hard time getting past the word life insurance, they also have a hard time um, believing or understanding the, what the power of an annuity, right? Because, Wall Street, all the, you know, talking heads in the financial world, you know, beat annuities up tremendously so they can promote their equity portfolios or whatever else it is they're promoting. But um, and while these larger corporations are buying annuities at the same time, what's been going on for several years and is and it's going on as we speak. And this is um, October of 2019. The, the pension buyout business is huge. These corporations that still have pensions can't um, – they don't believe that they can afford to fund fully fund their pensions, and so they're getting the life insurance companies to buy out their pensions. That's, yeah, yeah, because you can't beat the laws of large numbers. So – uh, you know, so that you can, you can talk, you know, you know and then there's guys like Ken Fisher says, he, I think he'd die rather than buy one. But he, unfortunately, Ken Fisher is very, he, he's, 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 for a billionaire, his research is piss poor. But, uh, uh, well, but that, you're, you're assuming that he has a research because um, I think. Um, and I, I can't pull up the documentation, but you probably could very Ken Fisher invests heavily in life insurance companies that primarily provide annuities. Am yeah, I- yeah, that, that's the the one up there, and um, there's one up there in uh, Des Moines, uh, Iowa. One of those those yeah. big companies. Um, uh, I forget the name of the company, but yeah, that's, that's it's all true. And he actually was a major investor in the whole thing, so he's beating him. But the other hand, his own companies invested heavily, in the, and it's all true. So, it, but he's a great marketeer, and um, and so, but and if you look at his track record in 2008, it was actually horrific. Um, but the thing is, is that uh, but we're we're you know we continue to live in the casino age, James. And um, and I, I, my father always told me you can't get something for nothing. And right. um, I, I, the older I get, the more I believe in that. Um, but you know, so that so but the, but this is all true. So um, you know, so but the major annuity purchases like one of like General Motors was for 29 billion. Is incredible, mm-hmm. uh, and and, uh, and you know BMW is doing Rolls Royce. Uh, you know, uh, 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 matter of fact, I had an engineer in my office. So the three major jet engine manufacturers in the world: uh, General Electric, 
Rolls-Royce and United Technologies. And the jet engine is probably one of the most sophisticated uh, products known to man. Uh, they all buy annuities for their pension plans. So, uh, so let everyone, the truth be known. And, um, uh, but this, because they can manage risk better than, than um, these other companies. Right. The, the, um, the companies, you know, they're beating up life insurance, they're beating up annuities, and yet they're turning right around and they're purchasing life insurance and they're offsetting their own risk in the pensions, right? The pension buyer, they're offsetting their own risk to a life insurance company that is going to produce an annuity and guarantee an annuity for all the participants. It's, it's amazing to me. It's like, look over here, listen to what we say, but don't look at what we do. You know, you do this, so we'll do be very say. profitable. Yeah. Do as I say, not as I do. Um, it, it is, I mean, that's just the world that we live in. Um, and, and I know, you know, too, when it comes to annuities, you know, you hear people, the first response without any research, right? If you just listen, listen to the talking heads on the radio or TV or just the noise that we live in, live in, everybody and their brother knows that if you put your money into an annuity, you've locked it up, you know? So Yeah, it is. It's, it's so, so much misinformation. It's horrific. It's worth it. Um, uh, disinformation you know, Now, you're in the well. great state of Texas, right? I am. Yeah. I mean, in the great state of Texas, and I don't know how many, uh, you have clients around the country, I know, but... I just say you just want to have the Ken Lay protection, you know, and uh, do you remember who Ken Lay was? Uh, yeah, Enron, James? sure. Mr. Enron, okay. Yeah. This is a true story. Yeah. When I was ever, when I, I was researching my first book, when I, when, I, when I heard this on the radio, I said, I can't believe this, and I researched it. But in any event, um, Enron, which is one of the largest uh, corporate bankruptcies of all time in the great state of Texas, um, when uh, Ken Lay, Lay died, he died rather young. I think around 63 or so. Uh, but in any event, he died in Colorado, and he had like $13 million in assets and $13 million in liabilities. So when he died, it kind of it was like kind of a bankruptcy. He just wiped everything out. But true, uh, but you, I know. Uh, but in, in any event, Ken Lay had uh, retained roughly about 10.9 million. Uh, and, uh, a new, uh, in life insurance from his uh, split old split dollar at uh, Enron, and Enron had a lot of a lot of large position in, in, in corporate owned life insurance, and he had another five uh, million um, uh, James in um, in fixed and variable annuities, mm-hmm. and uh, because he was a resident in the great state of Texas, he died, so his assets and his liabilities wiped each other out, but uh, his uh, his his wife Linda Leg got. $15 million uh, income and estate tax-free because uh, the um, Texas has really great asset protection laws in the event of uh, bankruptcy or death, whatever. Especially so, if you so own the life thing, insurance and annuities. You just need to have a uh, Ken Lay plan or, or the Mickey Mouse plan or like, you know about right. the story about uh, Walt Disney, how he financed uh, Walt Disney with the life insurance loan. Right, and uh, you know, so 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 this is just tremendous amount of misinformation out there. Uh, another example is, is let's say, is the um, Lehman Brothers, which was, I think, the largest. I don't know, <laughs> not the largest corporate bankruptcy. I don't know, um, but anyway, yeah, it was the Lehman Brothers. They went bankrupt for, for six hundred sixty billion or something like that. 
but they bought an annuity for their British pension operation, all right? So they bought an annuity for the, uh, is, is called the Pension Protection Fund. So they bought a billion dollar annuity for their own, their own pension plan in the, in the UK. And then of course they had like a 23,000 uh, 23, employee pension plan and they dumped that, uh, they didn't need an annuity, um, but they bought, uh, they dumped that on the Pension Benefit Guarantee Corporation. Oh, sure. So it's, yeah, sure. so, 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 so the hypocrisy from the banks is, is just incredible. And um, these are all true stories, but again, um, a lot of people that just don't want to read anymore, James. Right. And, you know, we heard the story of going way back to Babe Ruth. He, he bought, he, I understand that he had a lot of his money in annuities. <clears throat> um, the PBGC, I'm going to make a note of that in the, in the notes um, that that quasi governmental entity backs up or guarantees pensions, but there's limits, right? There's limits to their guarantees. Yeah, it's so like 60, yeah, like sixty six grand a year or something. It's still, uh, but my point is that you know Lehman went bankrupt and they dumped their, you know, there there wasn't a huge unfunded liability, but it was big enough, a couple hundred million. Yeah, well, that that's that's the same old playbook, though. They dump their liabilities on the general public because we're we're the ones that, that look. The PBGC has no money, right? They get all their money from the participants, and the participants, um, the, they're funded by the all American average individual that that has a pension. Or, yeah, I mean, <laughs> or so. like you're in Texas, right? Yeah. So the the the, the Texas um, is a great example. Is um, some of the great examples was the. Uh, uh, the TRS Texas Retirement System in mm-hmm. Texas. This Texas is some of the biggest ones. You know, Calpers is the biggest ones in New York. But Texas is one of the biggest ones. And um, one of the amazing ones, one of the dumbest investments I've seen made um, in, in, in recent history was done by um, the state of Texas um, in the retirement system. They invested in a um, um, in a in a pension with uh, Colony Capital, and they. I think they invested roughly about five, a hundred million to two hundred million alongside and into a casino, uh, James, and the uh, station's casino. This is all a matter of public records. So I'm not making anything up, and because um, uh, it's you know it was the pensioners' money in this case, and uh, they lost it all. Wow. And um, you know, no one, uh, um, you know, so no one really seems to. Re- but this is all true, James, and. Um, uh, so, but, but, but if I, if a, a consumer puts their money with a life insurance company, um, it, it's guaranteed. They can't, they can't, they can't do what these guys do with other people's money. Right. The life insurance companies can't, can't play the games. The- All right. Yeah. Well, like, have you seen this, uh, this one recently in the uh, papers, James, uh, we work, that, that, that you know the whole thing with this guy uh, Adam Newman or whatever. Have you seen that they, they, the company's been valued at? Um, oh, gee, was about uh, forty-seven billion. No, I haven't. Have you seen that? Well, it's one of these high-tech, another Silicon Valley inflated uh, valuations, you know, to the heavens. Well, again, you know, this is this is this went from like a a five billion dollar valuation in, in two thousand fourteen to to forty seven billion dollars uh, about two months ago, and now it looks like it's down to maybe a, a fifth of that. And but the, my point is that the major investors in this um, uh, latest one of these silicon investments were 
essentially they were the major investors were uh, um, you know money from T Rowe Price who gets the money from retail investors and Fidelity and uh, the Harvard Endowment and Goldman Sachs and SoftBank and and my point is is that they gambled and they lost and you they people can't life company cannot do that they yeah, have, I, they have to you know you know so but that's how it's going on it's it's very topical because you see it all over the news now you know the uh the um the recent news in the news about GE financial <laughs> and that and I, I can't remember the gentleman's name that the, oh, the forensic Harry, Marco Polos, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Marco Polos, a forensic CPA and yeah. um you know, can I mean just um what I want to point out, you know, that's going on, but you, if you look at GE's financials over, you know, they tried to get China Oceanwide to buy them and you know, China Oceanwide went through their due diligence and backed out. I don't know all the details of that, but um just a couple of weeks ago, the oldest uh, travel agency in the world went bankrupt, you know, left 600,000. Yeah, Thomas Cook out of England, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I look at these things, and, and I just I, I just think they're outliers. You know, I, I just think they're outliers. You know, uh, you've got interest, you know, rates going to zero in Europe, and they're talking about negative interest rates here, negative interest rates in Europe. They're talking about negative interest rates in the U.S., and, and you see – like that James Cook I mean it was it was it made the news for about 2 days you know and how the british military yeah. yeah has to fly around the world to gather up all their the britons and you know bring them home and and i just think that they're outliers i think that they're you know you got the fed pumping tons of money into the markets as we speak and then you have overnight uh the loan rates yeah. yeah and the yeah, repo market the, yeah. So, uh, and what do you and, think what's going on there, James? Now, um, you know, I think that they know that there's a problem, and yeah, and and I also believe they know that they can't fix it or they can't correct it, um, and they're trying to kick the can down the road. That's what I think. What do you think about it? Oh well, well James, I think it's 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 it's, it's like a storm is coming, like another hurricane's coming, and they're putting up the plywood on the, all the windows. Yeah. And they're filling up all the sandbags, and yeah. they're getting all the wa- fresh water in because they know a storm is coming. Exactly. Because it's a real problem, and 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 unfortunately, James, the problem is the debt, and you know, student loan debt all time high, one point five trillion. Uh, car loans, James, one point three trillion. Mortgages are higher than they were prior to two thousand eight. Um, uh, the level of delinquencies now it, it, it's horrible, and then you have all the. Um, the corporate debt, the the covenant light loans, which are essentially loans without any um, covenants, and all the all the, the issues of junk bonds is, is incredible. And um, a lot of these junk bonds, these covenant light loans, end up in people's mutual funds. And so I think well, they, um, <laughs> most people don't understand it, but it's all true. Right. Well, the mutual funds have to put that money somewhere, Barry. Yeah. <laughs> you know. So okay. Yeah. You know, a lot of this is covered in really all three of your books, but we've talked about the Pirates of Manhattan, your first first book, and the third book, book Guaranteed Income, we've talked about, but we haven't really talked about the Pirates of Manhattan 2, right? And so I think that book came out in about 2012. 12, and, yeah. And the subtitle is The Road to Serfdom. That has to be a playoff of Hayek's. Uh, yeah, it is. Yeah, I, I call it Highway to Serfdom. 
Yeah, yeah, highway to serfdom. That's right. And essentially, it's it's the introduction of the nanny state, and uh, uh, this is where they're uh, they essentially they I wrote this about the target date funds, which became the what is called the QDIA, the Qualified <laughs> Default Investment Account. Yeah, for everyone out there in their four hundred one k's and their four hundred three b plans. <clears throat> because of the Pension Protection Act of 2006, which was actually another airline bailout bill, believe it or not, uh, they but they uh, they tacked that on where they essentially said, no, Americans, we're not going to give you a guarantee for default investment. We're going to put you into these uh, highly volatile uh, target date mutual funds, which are essentially just a, a bundle of uh, mutual funds and very, very highly complex. And um, And so I just went through the whole how the government's behind this thing and how they've grown. And now they've, um, they've grown to James, you know how much they, they've grown to in 2018, uh, no. they've grown to about 1.3 trillion in assets. Wow. Now the reason why I wrote this and I almost, I almost look like a, uh, soothsayer at this point, but, but you know how much, uh, target date funds made in, and, um, in returns last year, the, now the 652 of them. Okay of target date funds, which is the essentially, if a person is a major employer, uh, I bet them lunch that they're going to have these in their portfolios. Sure. Do you know how, we know what, how many of these, what these funds actually made uh, uh, average rate of return in 2018, uh, James? No, but I know you're fixing to share with this, but I'll bet you 95% of them couldn't uh, earn as much as their benchmark. You know, whoever. Yeah, yeah, yeah uh, whatever these benchmarks is. Well, you know what? You know what? You know how much they made last year, uh, James? No. How much? Tell Absolutely us. Absolutely nothing. Oh, shot. On, on, on the aggregate, they lost negative six percent. Yeah. Well, that sounds like you know, the average so, uh, day trader right there. You know. So, <laughs> so they so so the qualified uh, default investment accounts for uh, all of you Americans out there. Uh, every single one of them lost money last year. Every single last one. And this is Morningstar, not me. So the thing is, is that, and, and the markets were off. I mean, uh, if you look at the, at the indexes for last year, 2018, um, the indexes were off like 15.5% internationally and then 7.8 for the, um, uh, for, uh, domestic. So, but anyhow, so all these, 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 uh, target date funds, which are supposed to fly through the very turbulent, uh, uh times didn't make any money at all. Well, and that so, that would be that would be uh, spun as a plus. It's like, look, the the you know the the indices are down seven, six, seven percent, oh, yeah. and, and and we we just didn't lose anything. So, you know, that's the way that would be presented, right? Yeah. So yeah. So this is so this is the crazy thing, and um, uh, so but that's so that's what we're seeing. So, and then you know if you hear the media turn CBNC or Fox or uh, Bloomberg or analysts like, oh, should we get in or you know, wage a total and dollar dollar cost average into this stuff, which is a lot of it's just hooey. It's I call it financial sorcery, James. That's my new <laughs> name for this. It's just financial sorcery. It's it's pretty accurate. It's pretty. But you know, too now when so there's a, a target date fund in in like you, I'm sure it's in all of the listeners' uh, 401ks. Um, that that all of that occurred about the same time that um, you know if I went to work and uh, uh, when I went to work, I had a choice to opt into the four hundred one k or not. 
now that's changed. Now I'm automatically enrolled as soon as you're I'm eligible. You're, you're, my, yeah, you're <laughs> automatically dragged into the casino. Right. And then I have to opt out if I'm allowed to, right? And then because it's by default, I mean, just uh, I'm, opt, I'm being opted in. Um, and then I'm automatically going into target date funds. Exactly. It, 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 and it's, it's not a highway to surf them, James. It's an autobahn to surf them. There you go. I and, like that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, you know, so, so this is, so essentially they're, they're essentially pulling you in the market, whether you like it or not. And, um, um, and that, and that's what's happening. So yeah. you, you know, you, you know, it's, it's, so the state is like Hayek said, you know, it's like our central control. Okay. Um, they're saying that we're going to put you into these things. And I'm saying the fact of the matter, they, these all of them lost money last year. Well, you know, so, we just go ahead. Yeah. You know, so, so, but the, so this is why, you know, so, uh, for people to hear the truth, I, I said, let's have the truth be the guide. And, yeah. um, but that, so that's true. And, uh, so, you know, it, and, and then, um, and the, the truth of the matter is, is that, you know, even large pools of money, which is really the only thing that we can measure. <laughs> yeah. And well, if you, you're listening to that, you, you kind of get into that private equity and leveraged buyouts and, uh, you know, the target date, all you really get into that in your second book, right? The Yeah. Yeah. The, and, and, but, but, the, but I have a good friend of mine who's an actuary and, uh, He's, uh, you go to piscataresearch.com. He's in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, but a very brilliant guy, Steve Church. And and he did a uh, survey of all the um, uh, 127 of the major pension funds um, over uh, from like 2000, the year 2000, James, to the year 2017. And believe it or not, uh, prior to that, there really isn't any accurate archives of what actually the returns of these pension funds made. I'm shocked <laughs> no, again. Really, no. So this is, so it really has been about the past 10, 15 years, really. So they're keeping accurate records, but he <laughs> went into uh, research, all these, uh, what these funds actually made. And over a 17 year period, um, they made roughly around 5.7%. Now, now all these pensions, including Texas or CalPERS or any of these, they're all, they're all pegging their rates of return to be at least seven, seven and a quarter uh, compounded. So they're, they're 20, 30% off the mark to begin with. But the frightening thing about this, James, is that if you had bought treasury bills in 2000, you held them on to the same period of time, you maybe be about 10, 20 basis points ahead of uh, what these uh, pension plans got with all their esoteric hedge funds and private equity and the whole thing. So the fact of the matter is, is that um, long-term investing uh, for for institutions like it, like endowments or or, or or particularly pensions in this in this regard, are not that much better than thirty year treasuries. That's... So you know, so the, so so the whole idea of people can beat the market. <clears throat> yeah, there'd be li- liars. Who that will be, James? We don't know. Right. Um, but some people generally don't make anything. No. No, no, they're, somebody's making money, but it's not the consumer. It's right? not you, it's not me. <laughs> and then, um, <clears throat> let me see, you, you tell, tell us, uh, tell us what you got going on in your fourth book. What, and, well, I mean, no, no, no pressure, but we, you know, no pressure, but we'd like to, we're waiting to read Yeah, it. I've been working on that. That's been a, that's been a, uh, labor of love. And one of the things which, uh, 
uh, it, um, it's about private equity, and, and essentially that's really. And these are the guys. These are the these are the masters of the universe who really uh, have grown to control the money. And Wall Street already, already controls uh, money in the mutual funds, and they love it that way. And they, so their job's been much easier. And um, and it, and um, but the the other major pools of assets left there are essentially the private are the pension plans, which i.e. the Texas or or California, or Florida, or all these large states, these pension funds, these are major. Um, now, these private equity firms are essentially, um, uh, they're major players in this uh, in this space. Uh, they've gone from about 6% of assets of a decade ago to not, not around 20, 20 to 27% of assets. And they're very highly complex. And um, some of them have done well, but a lot of them um, have, have, have gone bankrupt. And... Um, most people don't want to even talk about it. And as it says, like in the state of Texas, Stations Casino, which was a major uh, casino operation in Vegas, they went bankrupt. And actually, the largest casino company of all time, uh, Caesars Entertainment. Ever seen them, James, out in Vegas? Yeah, you know, the, been uh, there. The Caesars Palace, you've been there, haven't you? <laughs> Everybody has, right? <laughs> yeah, everyone has, okay? If you've, if you've been to Las Vegas trip, you can't miss, um, you can't miss Caesars Palace. Well, that was owned by a private equity firm. Um, actually, two private equity firms, uh, Apollo Global Management, Apollo. which is based mm-hmm. out of New York, and Texas Specific Group, which is based in uh, um, uh, Fort Worth, maybe, and in San Francisco. They have, you know, it's been even so two large private equity firms took that uh, private. They essentially are buying with, um, uh, with Bolos is debt. They was a leveraged buyer for like close to $30 billion. And that was pioneered by Texas Pacific Group and Apollo Global Management. And they get their money from their investor money from people like CalPERS and CalSTRS and so forth. And the Texas, you know, teachers retirement system. And they went bankrupt in 2015. Hmm. And with $24 billion in debt after they sold off all their assets. So, so, so what, what concerns me now, and I don't know when I'll get to it, but Unfortunately, these private equity firms they want to get into the life business, which is which concerns me, um, because you know they haven't shown to be very good pres- uh, very good stewards when it keep, comes to preserving people's uh, principal investment. They've yeah, actually well, been horrible in it. Apollo, I mean, they're they're already buying life insurance companies or insurance companies that that yeah, for the theme, provide, a theme, yeah, it's, it's, it's a classic uh, roll up. Yeah, and, mm-hmm. and, and since it's a huge in the, in, the, in the annuity space, and there's been a lot of great research done, which um, uh, done by the Financial Times, and showing how they've set up uh, asset subsidiaries, which have the name Athena Asset Management, which have no, actually no ownership at all with the life company, how they're vacuuming out four hundred million dollars a year in asset management fees, and and how uh, it, it's it's pretty, and they're and they're taking they're gutting essentially the portfolios. Of the, a lot of the the uh, the life companies themselves, which have you know good corporate bonds and things like that, and they're essentially you know replacing them with mortgage-backed securities and junk bonds and all these types of things. So um, yeah, so I'm working on that, and um, with the grace of God, I'll get that done. I would like to get it up before the next election um, because it's just. It, but the bankruptcies have been tremendous. Um, but uh, but in any event, so uh, but so one of the largest uh, leverage buyers of all time. Um, uh, was the uh, was the uh, was the Apollo was the Apollo and Texas Pacific Group of uh, Susan Entertainment, and they went bankrupt. Uh, but actually, the largest um, 
uh, leverage buyout of all time was down in the great state of Texas. Everything's bigger in Texas, huh, James? That's right. You know, so when, when, in 2007, when um, <clears throat> uh, when um, uh, Goldman Sachs and KKR and, and the usual uh, suspects bought um, the utility uh, energy future holdings, I mean, was it actually called the TXU? Does, it, does that make any sense to you, all the utility yeah. TXU? Yeah, TXU. They're probably the biggest provider of electricity in uh, in, in North Texas. Okay, so so that that's up by you. So so anyway, so they they went bankrupt, and there was the leverage largest mm-hmm. leverage buyout of all time of recently for forty nine billion. They went bankrupt in two thousand fourteen, and um, and so I'm saying so the they had these massive bankruptcies, and no one's really put strung them all together. I'm just my gift is I'm a good aggregator of this stuff, mm-hmm. and and it's all it's all generally due to. Uh, over you know, overpaying for the for the company themselves, overestimating. Now they bought the company thinking the ga- natural gas prices would go up, so they made right. a forty nine billion dollar bet on natural gas, and this is going to go up. And guess what? It went the opposite way. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, but again, you know, who are the biggest uh, players? Uh, who are the biggest investors? It's all the state pension funds. So it so. I've been sure. working a long period of time, you know. But now, Bar- why the- borrow yeah. money, make some bets, lose all the money, file bankruptcy, and protect all your assets with guaranteed life and annuity contracts. I mean, <laughs> what, what what could go wrong, right? Yeah. So this is this is what we're seeing, and so I mean, I'm just I'm no saint, but it's just saying this to me, this is not right, and um, and 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 most people don't know James. Right. Well, you know, since you've written the first book to now, so it's 2019, the first book was in 2007 and 2008. We've just gone through one of the greatest market rises, if not the greatest market rises in history. Yeah, it is. I think it's the biggest run, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, people might have got back to uh, where they were in, in 2008, like a couple of years ago, whatever their account values went down to, or whatever their account values were and then they dropped in 2007 and 8 and they hit the low of 09 you know they spend the next uh six seven years getting back to ground zero or or about up to where they were maybe a little ahead and then here we are which is exactly what happened between 2000 and 2008 you know so um this this runs a large run it's a long run and what do you, I mean, not, not that I want you to be a prognosticator, but, um, I think we all know there's something fundamentally wrong going on and there's, you know, uh, we're, uh, the world economy has never been in this kind of a situation before with this kind of a debt and interest rates yeah. going negative. So what, what is, what does Barry James doc say about, uh, you know, the next two to four years? Do you want to share? Do you well, care to share? yeah, I would, there's going to be some type of massive correction. I don't know. Only God knows. I'm just, this is, right. this is my opinion. I look at the facts and, um, um, you know, debt's at all time high and Europe's a mess. Okay. Europe's a, a, a bloody mess. I mean, the negative interest rates and the, the old the legendary, uh, Bill Gross. I don't know if you knew him. Um, sure. he ran the PIMCO funds, probably these come the bond King. Yeah. He largest ran the largest, um, uh, mutual fund uh, for PIMCO for years. And he said it very aptly, he said, at 0% interest, you no longer have capitalists. <laughs> and it's true. <laughs> okay, so so you have these things, which is, um, uh, 
which really hurts. They hurt you know, these low interest rates. You know, if I give my money to someone and leave it, I should be entitled to some interest uh, on that. And uh, so then they're going to charge me. Right. You know, so, so there's no incentive to pay back anything. And um, so what we're seeing is it's just, it's, it's crazy, James. It is unprecedented in history. And so with, with, with the debt in the, you know, and, and, well, well, let's look at it. You know, when Obama was president, I think we were like eight trillion in the hole. Now we're at twenty-two trillion, and with this new repo uh, positioning, we're. Um, I think we're going to add another one point seven trillion because they're mm-hmm. pumping the liquidity into the market. Mm-hmm. So, so that said, is that um, so people need to be very, very safe and really uh, need to protect their principal. And um, so that would be, you know, think obviously things like hard assets, um, obviously, uh, you know, real estate, their own business, things would produce cash flow, gold, you know, will certainly be big and silver. Um, but, you know, the life insurance annuities are really a lot more stable because they're not levered like banks. So um, I, I hope not, James, but it, it, it's, it's inevitable. Um, and I, it's going to have the will. We will have a major correction. They always do. It's just a question of when. And I'm not God, so um, right. there will be some people like they're saying 12 to 24 months. Um, and would and all we need is a major market correction. Then all, you know, then we'd have some black swan event like something like this. We first talked about like this. We were could theoretically even even go into bankruptcy. Right. So we could have it. Did, all just it just takes one thing or some crazy incident somewhere. Yeah, some Iran unknown. Or, yeah, we're not even thinking about it, talking about it, expecting it. it could be any, anything that could cause that trigger. You know. So yeah. So when you understand it, that the life company by design um, is is one of the safest places to warehouse your capital. And um, and, uh, and 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 no one else can say that. I mean. <laughs> Uh, well, I'll, I'll give you a great example. Um, most of the funds today, uh, you know, active funds versus uh, passive funds, James, you know that there's more money in passive funds now than there are in actively managed mutual funds today. Uh, and, you know, the four major um, purveyors of these things, uh, Fidelity, Vanguard, State Street, um, BlackRock, they have to have absolutely no responsibility to manage people's principal. Right. They have actually zero. So I call them communist funds. So it's just like, um, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, give them to the party and they'll take care of you, you know, and, 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 and this is what's happened. So there's no fiduciary. There's no responsibility to, to look up for people's principle, you know, and I don't know if you remember the old Will Rogers, remember the old humorous Will Rogers? Yes, sir. And he oh. said, you know, I'm more concerned about the return of my money than the return. I'm re- oh, most concerned about the return of my money versus the return on my money. And I think that's more important than ever. Sure. So risk, risk, group uh, risk management should be part of anyone's portfolio. And, and, but unfortunately it still gets kind of thrown out the window. Yep. I agree. I agree completely. So you're not going to put a date on anything because you're not God. And I agree with you. I believe you. Um, no, I mean, it's I coming. I mean, with you. It's bit, yeah. you know, but, uh, yeah. So luckily I, I caused the, I, I, um, I prophesied the first one. So I, I think, yeah, but we don't know what they're going to do. They keep this running 
bunny printing. Uh, it, it's crazy, but um, the irony of the whole thing is that uh, the Federal Reserve, who's kind of supposedly the fireman in the whole place, um, they actually have their own uh, 401k money in uh, fixed annuities. So yeah, it's a hypocrisy rampant. <laughs> it's an incestuous cesspool in Wall Street, big pharma, federal, the banks, the global banks, the national banks, um, the military industrial information complex. It's it's seriously, it's just an incestuous cesspool is what it is. Yeah. So, but but you know we you know we we you know, we still live in a great country, and um, you know so I'm just saying these are honest things, and uh, you know. Um, I, I, I had a story. I, I, I said at one of my seminars, I had a woman who I got as a client when around 2004, James, and she had just lost her husband was a, was a, a very well-known obstetrician and her husband had just died of cancer. And she had just lost $400,000 in the market with fidelity. And, and, um, and, uh, I proceeded to do a lot of planning for her and we moved a lot of it in, in into annuities, various types of things, and, and life insurance, and other tax strategies, and so forth. And but before I did, you know, because I'm a registered investment advisor, Fidelity said, "Can we call, speak with me?" I said, "Sure." And I said, "You know," um, and they said, "Don't you believe that uh, uh, Peg should start in the uh, and keeping the market in the long run?" I said, "I said the long run." I said, "Do you know how old she is?" He says, "No." I said, "Well, she's 70 years old." I said, "Do you know how her health is?" She says, "No." She says, "Well, she just recovered from breast cancer." So, you know, I think, you know, but my make a long story short, the woman, um, um, no, she was a great lady and she was, she was a lady of the depression, but make, make a long story short, I was able to give her $85,000 income for 15 years. Um, so I gave her all the money back in income, which she gave me originally. And then when she died this, this past March, I gave the family another $1.3 million. And this is just by doing things carefully and really wow. caring for about people. Whereas Fidelity was saying, stay in the market. And this woman had just lost 400 grand. Yeah. You know, 400 the, grand. And then for the and long she kind of giggled. <laughs> and, yeah. They said, Don't you think she'd be in the long run? And now, um, so, but that's a, that's a true story. And, um, uh, and so, and so we, I paid her, you know, all her money back and then some, and then gave the, you know, the kids another 1.3 million. Um, but I think that using what you're doing, um, can help other people as well. You know, right. we, we you know we're not God, but if we take some uh, put seatbelts around people's money and use things like life insurance and uh, and annuities and other things, I know you do investing for people as well. Um, but if we, we if we get a good strong foundation, we're going to be much better off. Right. No, there's it's tough to beat a, a guaranteed contract. You know, uh, a guaranteed contract, of course, structured correctly and. You know, issued by legitimate, strong, financially strong insurance companies. Somebody who's been around 100 years or more, highly rated, doesn't play games on their balance sheet. Um, you compare that to a casino, and it's really not much of a casino. It's a smoke and mirrors of what I could win, you know, what I might gain. Um, and then you go through all the the market fluctuations, which you can't control. And, and I get it. That could be very exciting when you're young. You know, the older I get, the less exciting that becomes or is getting to me. You know, it's like, and I and I still love amusement parks and roller coasters. You know, I don't mind a little thrill every now and then. But you know, I, I completely agree with you. All you have to do is, uh, it's like everything in life. If you focus on the basics and the fundamentals, 
you know, everything else takes care of itself if you do the fundamentals and the basics, the correct foundation. If you lay the correct foundation, practice fundamentals, practice the basics, um, everything else will take care of itself. That's what yeah, I, I will. have found. Yeah, you know? so, 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 yeah, so that, I believe in that now more than ever. And, um, you know, um, because as I say, the way the system is, this is gambling with other people's money. And if you understand greed and other people's money, you'll understand how the Wall Street and the banks work. And, <laughs> there you uh, go. <laughs> that pulls it right down. Right? <laughs> <laughs> greed and other people's money. Yep, Game with other people's money. It's like a, I have I have a, uh, a very well healed client of mine, and and uh, it's true, James. And when I first met him ten fifteen years ago, this guy Mark, he was a, he was as sharp as they come. Okay. A guy very entrepreneurial. He sold his first company when he was twenty-five. For um, uh, it's, it, he didn't even get a he didn't even get a high school. Okay, but he, he's multimillionaire. But anyway, and I was really impressed with him because he was actually he'd make these major bets on J.P. Morgan, all these stocks, things like that, and make a lot of money. But then he would get crushed too. And um, but make a long story short, he bet all my stuff, and and now he has a home down in Key West and. Uh, up here as well, and uh, uh, but he's gotten all essentially most of his money out of the market, and and we were talking about. It. He says, "Yep, he says yep, it's pretty easy to gamble when you gamble with other people's money." <laughs> and, <laughs> and so, so most of his pension assets and things like that. So here's what the biggest gamblers ever saw. One of the most successful, very very bright guy, and he's got most of it, the lion's share of his money in fixed annuities. Yeah. So, um, so that and, and there's, there's, I have you know some of my biggest clients are, are, are that way as well. But um, so it's just, uh, but we can't like compete that. with um, with the advertising budgets of all these companies. Right. Well, I love that. It's easy to gamble with other people's money, but not your own. It's a little more difficult, <laughs> of course. All right. Well, yeah. Barry, let's go. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, that, that, so it's been a pleasure to be with you today, James. You know what? It's been my pleasure, Barry. It's, and you got to come back. Um, I like, I like, I like you. I like talking with you. I like your research, your work. I like, you know, I just like everything about you, Barry. You're, I think, a very cool guy. Um, you're a good, you're a good guy, and I'll, I'll see you in a few days. Yeah, yeah, we're, yeah, yeah, Cincinnati, Kentucky. We got to fly into that broke airport in kentucky oh, right? uh, that used to be a great airport it used to be a usa hub and now it's kind of like deserted now it's just, uh, <laughs> but that's you know uh well it's just you know so it's, it's you know you know big airlines big government big banks you know but um well james just keep pushing back the frontiers of ignorance yes sir i will thank you very you do the same sir you keep pushing back all right do do nelson proud God bless. all right have a great God day bless. thank you bye-bye Thank you for joining us on the Banking with Life podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to like and subscribe. Otherwise, find us wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to join us weekly.